wants us to help other kids so we can make a difference, so that people in other countries have exactly all that we, they need. This is our story of sponsoring a child with compassion. So let's start off with compassion. Compassion is a thing that helps other kids develop and get what they need and stuff. The Bible is pretty clear that generosity is not about how much you have, it's about what you do with what you have. I remember our pastor at our church sharing about how if you don't have to walk to work every day and you have a car, like you are like one of the wealthiest people in the world. That perspective made me realize how much I really have. And I realized that it was really important that we start being generous. You know, we wanted to sponsor a child, and so we looked with Evie and picked out a, a child whose birthday was, was kind of close to hers, so they were around the same age, and, and it was a girl also, and her name is Marabella, and she's from the Philippines. Um, Marabella is six. She likes singing. She also likes drawing, I think. Understanding the concept of poverty isn't personal until you put a face to it. And compassion put a face to poverty and a child's name to poverty. And um, it became this huge concept that's just out there somewhere and gave us an actual person to impact. So they, so Mirabella's year was like they had hurricanes. Hurricanes over there, typhoons over there. It made me want to help them because when I think about things that I didn't really like or times where it was hard. I think about poverty and how hard poverty would be. And I, and I thought, I wonder how these people feel. I was in the kitchen and Evie woke up and came in the kitchen and she, she literally walked out of her bedroom with this idea pretty much fully formed to the degree that she shared with me, Dad, I had this idea that um, I, could, I could draw pictures, me and my friends could draw pictures and then people could buy the pictures for a dollar and then we could send that money to people who are poor. I hoped that it would make a difference that and make enough art to raise $500. You know, she came out of her bedroom thinking about someone else, which is huge for a child to do, and then thinking, what do I have? What, what ability, what assets do I have that I can use to make a difference? So, you know, we thought that getting involved with Compassion, sponsoring a child, we were going to be making a difference. And what we found is that through, through that, Compassion has given us um, a story and this purpose. Well, God wants us to do our gifts because He wants to make the world a better place and a better place for other people. Um, we don't consider ourselves as having very much, but um, because we had this uh, priority, both of, of the type of family we wanted to be, the type of people we wanted to be as followers of Jesus, as parents. Um, Jesus said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart's gonna be. And so um, you have to move your treasure around to put your heart in the right place. As people are thinking about whether to sponsor a child, I want to tell everybody, like, do it. Like, it's gonna change your life. Like, you need to do it. So the blue is the sad kid because he doesn't have enough of what he needs. They need food, water, and medical service, and shelter. And the yellow is the happy kid because he has enough of what he needs. 
and he's been sponsored. We can all show kids the love of Jesus. Sponsor a child and make a difference. Come on. That was awesome. I'm taking bids right now on that picture she drew. $500, going once, going twice. That thing was amazing. Come on, that girl was awesome. Hey, you know, we are going to talk about Compassion International. They're an organization that, uh, they're a child sponsorship organization. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make you feel really guilty and play Sarah McLaughlin singing in the arms of an angel, right? That's not what I'm going to do at all. But I do want to start by telling you a story. Back in 2011, I had this great opportunity to go with Compassion International to Ecuador to visit a Compassion Project. And what you need to know is the Compassion Project is synonymous with a church. They always are together. They're always one. And so we got to go to Ecuador. And as you go into these projects, you get to see kids and what they're experiencing on a daily basis. You get to see them in class and how their, the meal times run. You get to look in their files and every file is always the same. It gives their health history, their educational history, their spiritual history, and kind of what's going on in their family background because they, have, they get visits every single month and every four to six weeks from someone compassion goes and makes a home visit so you get all that information so we got to visit and we met this single mom named Fanny while we were there one of her kids was in the compassion project now Fanny was a single mom because her husband had died tragically and left her with some small kids and you know when you live in poverty especially in extreme poverty that's always it's already difficult and then anytime you lose a spouse that's extremely difficult and then when you combine those two together in this particular um, scenario, it's almost a death sentence. And so Fanny shared with us that the only people that reached out to her were people through the church, through the Compassion Project. And so we got to go to her house to kind of make a home visit. And as we're walking up to her house, you know, it's, it's, it's a it's hard dirt floor. There is no landscaping. Your HOA is not going to send you a letter about you getting your landscaping up to speed or painting your house. And so we walk in and it's a hard dirt floor and there's some plastic chairs sitting around ready for her, her guests from the United States. And there's a sign that says welcome and compassion has given her some food to, to serve us with. And she was so excited and, you know, and her eyes just resonated with hope. And she just had this look of joy and expectation and hope about her, even in the midst of difficult circumstances. You see, what Compassion had done, Compassion had trained her in how to start a small business. Compassion had given her a micro loan to be able to start a small business making soap. And so she was able to provide for her family. She knew the gospel and understood who Jesus was. And she had a vision for her future. And so we sat, sat around in her little home and uh, we were able to hear from her and hear from her kids and just share stories. And of course, we prayed over her family and, and we're walking out the door. And as we're kind of out in the front area of her home, she grabs me by the arm and she says three words. Don't forget me. Don't forget me. And you see, Fanny has become symbolic of, of our ability to help our capacity to care, and our mandate to move. You see, the word compassion literally means to be moved. It doesn't mean to feel sorry for. It doesn't mean to have empathy. It doesn't mean to pat somebody on the back. It means to be moved to help. And when we launched beyond 18 months ago, and we knew that we wanted to be a church that went beyond here, 
that we wanted to look beyond our walls into other places around the globe where we could start campuses and churches. You know, and we had this dream that God would give us five campuses and churches over the next five years. And so we did a more traditional model where we launched a campus in Sandy Springs. But then one that we became aware of was through Compassion International. So we have started a church in Chinandega, Nicaragua, as Jackie was mentioning. And, and we've built, we've begun building that church. We're probably a little over halfway through. I think we have some images of that. And then we can, hopefully will be done by the end of the year, or early next year, building the church will be finished. And then we, the Compassion Project will be fully funded and ready to go. And so we're building a church, number one. Number two is they're going to have, over the course of the next few years, a couple hundred kids that need sponsoring. And we have some of them that need sponsoring today that we are, we're going to sponsor. Um, but then also we'll be able to take trips there to help build, to help uh, with whatever, help we can meet the kids that we sponsor and we can help continue to build the gospel in this area through Compassion International. And so today I just want to, I want to kind of, paint the picture of what this looks like. I want to paint the picture of what Jesus says about those who are in poverty and what our responsibility is to help. I want to paint the picture of why compassion. Like, why is it I'm so passionate about it? Why is it one of the greatest ways for us to make a difference around the world? And then we'll have an opportunity to sponsor kids. Does that sound good, everybody? Good. All right, let's grab our Bibles. We're going to be in Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 25 to start with. Matthew chapter 25. And I'm just going to look at some words that Jesus had to say about the end of time and what that looks like for us and how, we'll, and how he'll approach it and what he has to say about those who are living in poverty. We're going to be in Matthew 25. We're going to start out in verse 31. We're going to start out in verse 31. Now, <clears throat> Jesus says this. He says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory meaning at the end of time, all the angels will be with him and he will sit on his throne and before him will be gathered all the nations and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats and he will place the sheep on his right. That's you guys, right? From the middle over, you are the sheep, all right? And then the goats are on his left. Sorry, goats, but this is y'all, okay? Um, not really. Y'all are all sheep, I hope. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So what he's saying is that he has prepared a, a, a kingdom before the foundation of the world for the, for the ones he's calling sheep. Why? And he, he lays out exactly why he's done that. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then, then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when do we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when do we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And then the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. So what Jesus is saying here is that a move towards those who are in poverty, a move towards those who are marginalized, a move towards those who, who can't do things for themselves is actually literally a move towards God himself. You know, in Proverbs chapter 19, it says, whoever is generous lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. So can you just imagine this? Like you're, you're literally, when you are generous, when you give to the poor, it's as if you're giving to God himself. So imagine you go home today and you go home and you've had lunch and you're hanging out and there's a knock on the door and it's Jesus. 
How will you know it's Jesus? Because they'll have a robe on and Birkenstocks. That's how you'll know. <laughs> and he's going to say, hey, can I come in for a minute? I'm hungry. Can you give me something to eat? I'm thirsty. Can you give me something to drink? That's it, literally what it means when we help someone who's poor and underprivileged and can't do it for themselves. Man, his heartbeat is so tied to the poor that he views a move towards the poor as they move towards him. And in this story, he's also telling us something very special. He's telling us to take it personally. He's saying, take it personally. Because as the video so clearly articulated, sometimes poverty is that, that abstract condition out there because we don't always put a face with it. And it become, can become those poor rather than the poor. And when we put a face with it, it, becomes, it begins to be real in our lives. And I think one of the issues that we would have, many of us in the room, is not that we don't want to help people who don't have enough. Because I believe, I, honestly, if I were to ask people to raise their hand, everybody's going to raise their hand because they want to help. I don't think that's a problem. I think a problem is we just don't know any people who may need help. We're not familiar with them. We don't, we don't always hang out with them. It's not our context. And so what Jesus is saying to us, that we have to be intentional to take it personally. Now, now the early church took it personally when it came to the poor. You know, one of the things that lit the early church movement on fire was their capacity to care for those who were underprivileged and the poor. I love what one historian writes about the early church. He says this. He says, they continually attract... And notice these words, worthless and contemptible people, idiots, slaves, poor women, and children. And what he intended as a criticism actually was the fuel for the movement. In the, in the early Roman world, there was no such thing as this charity. There was no such thing as a, as a, as a safety net for people who, who found themselves homeless or poor or destitute or food insecure, whatever word we want to use, they didn't have a safety net because what they did is they just looked on people as like, this is just the law of the jungle, only the fit survive. And so there was no one to rush and take care of them until the church showed up on the scene. And the church began to care for people. And when the plagues hit, the church was there to help care for people, to help nurse them, to help take care of the dead. And they were the ones who moved the mission forward. And this is one of the reasons I love compassion so much is because they work through the local church, the infrastructure to change and to save the world. This is the power that we have. You know, the, the church's role in the world is to take those who are outside and move them inside. Amen. Like that's the role that we have as the church. Maybe you're here today and you're feeling outside. Man, we want you to feel inside. We know that Jesus came and died so that we could be not outside but inside. You know, a few years after the Ecuador trip, I had the privilege of going to Africa uh, to Burkina Faso. Now, Burkina Faso is not a well-known African country. It was at the time I visited, it was the second poorest country in the world in the world. So, um, and as we were there, again, we get to go to, to, to particular projects. And I can remember uh, one of the projects that we went to, <clears throat> when you show up and you're from the United States, like, it's like you're a rock star. You feel like Bono at a concert. <laughs> they are cheering you. They're waving American flags. Don't let anybody tell you that they hate America. Every, I mean, that they hate Americans everywhere you go. Certainly there's a couple of places, but most places are like, we, we're glad you're here. And so we would go into these projects, and I can remember one project that we went into, and the kids were lining the project with we went in, and they were wearing their uniforms. 
and they're waving American flags. And I think we have an image of that. You know, and as we walk into the project, you can see the kids on the right. And man, they're just waiting for us. They're singing songs. Um, a lot of them had American flags. They were waving and it was a great experience. But, but notice the kids on the left of the picture who were looking over the wall, standing on a bike, standing on each other's shoulders, just looking up, just trying, just trying their best to see over the wall because they were outside wishing they were inside. And this is a story of the church. This is a story of Compassion International. They take kids who are outside and they help them get inside. They help them get inside by providing food. They help them get inside by providing education. They help them get inside by providing the gospel. And, you know, we could, there's a, there's a, a passage over in 1 John where, where he writes about our, our, our capacity to help and our, our mandate to help. And in 1 John chapter 3, Verse 17, it says this, if anyone has the world's goods, meaning food, shelter, meaning money, like, like most of us, and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed or in truth. So John's commission, his mandate is to help people. Those of us who have stuff is to help people who don't have stuff. Now, now there's a lot of <clears throat> statistics wrapped around poverty. And statistics don't always tell the story, do they? Sometimes they can be a little bit, uh, they can be a little sterile. But just a couple things that we should know that maybe has fallen off the radar. While pre-COVID, the world was making a lot of progress as it came to poverty. But since COVID has hit a year and a half, almost two years, over 150 million people globally have now found themselves thrust into poverty. There are over 70 countries that have, been, that have been set back over 10 years in their fight against poverty. So where we were making progress, now things have Things have stepped back and we actually are further behind and it's going to take a while. It's going to take a while to kind of fill in the gap. It's going to take a while to step up. And that, that's where we come in. That's where Compassion International comes in. Now, just a little bit about why Compassion International. You know, one of the reasons is because I personally experienced it. You know, I've been able to go on trips. I've been able to be in projects. I've been able to, you know, be out in some of the poor areas of the world and to see exactly how Compassion operates and to see the effectiveness that they have, to see the ability they have through their infrastructure to meet the needs on the ground in places that we may not always get to go. You know, the number one thing that I love about Compassion is Compassion has doubled down on Jesus. Like their mission statement is to release children from poverty. Why? In Jesus' name. And even though it would be more politically correct and they could possibly have funding from other organizations besides churches, they've refused to take Jesus out of their mission statement. Somebody say amen. Let's go. And you may have noticed we're a little bit obsessed with Jesus around here, hence the big letters in the lobby. Um, and we know that in Jesus, life comes together. Without Jesus, you're just putting a Band-Aid on a, uh, on a mortal wound. And so we always want to be about that with our partners in everything that we do. We're always going to champion the name of Jesus and the fact that he came for us. We were outside so that we could be inside. And he died so that we could be inside. And Compassion International does that. Second reason that we love Compassion and believe it's a great partner for us and it has been over the last several years since we've been partnering with them since 2007 is that they work through the local church and I don't mean on the United States side I mean on the on the ground in the countries where they go to so on the countries where they go uh, kids in a compassion project are actually part of a compassion church they realize that the church has the infrastructure to meet the needs on the ground that, that, that the church is what can provide uh, pe 
for every single need that they, they come across. So for instance, while we do pay $38 a month is what it costs to sponsor a compassion kid, they do so much more than just food, clothing, and shelter. If they move into an area that has an HIV epidemic, you know what they do? They provide for that. They provide health care. They provide ways out. They provide education to help people get out of that. If they go into an area where water is the problem, they drill wells. If malaria is the problem, they provide nets. They're able to contextualize everything they do. Why? Because they work through the local church who is the hope of the world. Amen. And so I love them because of that, that ability to be so Jesus centered, to also work through the local church. Part of being the local church is being discipled. One of the great uh, treasures of compassion is the ability for you and I to disciple kids who are in a different country. You know, one of the things I have up here is uh, a manila folder. And these are full of letters from one of my compassion kids that they write me. And so you had this ability to write letters and they make it extremely simple. You can go on the website and you can just type it in. You can send the letter. It probably takes less than 10 minutes, but these letters are gold. And so the letters that Flavio has written me say things like, um, please pray for my grandmother's salvation and her health. And then he tells me about his school and he, he talks about learning about the faith and the story of Lazarus. And then uh, another letter, he talks to me about his favorite book of the Bible is Genesis. And I'm able to write letters to him and talk about, ask him what he's learning and to share Bible verses with him. And, uh, and, and when they get letters, that is like gold to them. Every Christmas, what they do is they get up and they don't, they don't, they don't have gifts under a tree like we do. They open up their box of letters that they've received from their sponsors. And some of you sponsor kids and you're thinking, Oh my gosh, I need to write a letter. Yes, you do. You should feel guilty. Uh, not jokes. Um, and so we have one particular, um, uh, one of our volunteers has been sponsoring Compassion Kids for over 30 years. 30 years. And we have a picture of all the letters that she's received from her kids over the years. And there's this one particular um, girl that she has sponsored, that she sponsored, who's now out of the program that she started sponsoring. And we have a picture kind of her growth. You can see from the very beginning on the left all the way to the end on the right. And she shared this with us. You know, one of her sponsor girls, she's from India, recently graduated with a master's in counseling. She found our volunteer on Instagram. And so they message via the app. She was a kid from a background of abject poverty and now is counseling teens with problems. She has a master's degree in counseling. Like this is the power of Compassion International, right? This ability we have to disciple people. You know, another thing that I love about them is that um, they have one of the lowest overheads of any organization in this, in this space in the world. Over 85% of what you give, dollars that you give go directly to the kids. There's not a lot of overhead. Everything hits the ground for the kids because of the way they operate. And they're super effective. And I've been able to see that in person. So this is, that's another reason. I, I mean, I love Compassion International and the impact they're having all around the world. They've sponsored over 2 million kids in their lifetime. And every year they see roughly 150,000 kids come to know Jesus. It's amazing. Yeah. So I... As I said, we've been, sponsoring, we've been sponsoring kids since probably around 2007. And uh, our contact with Compassion International is a friend of mine whose name is Kevin Myers. Kevin has been with us uh, along the whole journey of us sponsoring kids and being part of Compassion International. And so I've asked Kevin to come if he would come and just help uh, share a little bit of the story 
of all that's happening through compassion. So let's give Kevin a warm Stone Creek welcome. Thank you, sir. Thank you, man. Drove all the way from North Carolina, a long way. Yeah, it's good to be here. Man, Kevin, thanks for being here. Um, Let's start out a little bit, Kevin, about tell us a little bit how you came to work for Compassion, because that's not something you've always done. No, I used to be a a business person. I was a healthcare executive for 20 years. And, uh, you know, in my early 40s, God started doing several things in my life that that pushed me into going into full-time ministry. But probably the biggest thing he did is uh, uh, we felt, uh, my wife and I felt very convicted that we need to go on a mission trip. And so we went on a mission trip to the Dominican Republic, working with Haitian refugees. And, you know, there's, there's kind of two schools of thought. One is to leave your kids and go, and the other is to take your kids. And so <laughs> my kids at that point had just turned five and seven. And so we loaded them up and went to the DR, and, and God really showed me three things on that trip that brought me to where we are today. The first was I saw poverty. I had seen it before on other mission trips, but... On this particular trip, because we had our young kids with us who were playing with these very poor Haitian kids, I saw poverty through the lens of a father. And it's just very, very different uh, because I knew that the only difference really in in my kids and the Haitian kids was their zip code. Hmm. And so that kind of wrecked me in the very best of ways. Uh, The second thing is, uh, much like the little girl in the video uh, that we saw at the beginning of church today, Um, we thought it would be a good way for us to disciple our own kids. We were reading things like Matthew 25, and our kids had no context. You know, they're upper-middle-class kids, and they had no context for what the least of these really meant. And we were, you know, we're just trying to do right by our kids and trying to grow them in Christ. And so we thought, you know, we'd sponsor a kid, their gender and their age, and, you know, it's not a big deal. Maybe it'll make a difference. And so... Me being a very skeptical person, I called Compassion right before you went on this mission trip and asked, could we meet our kids? Thinking they would fully say, no, you know, they're not real kids. You know, it's just a a stock photo. But they said, sure, where are you going to be and when? And and So so you were going to call them out for scamming you. Oh, absolutely, man. I I was going to catch them, you know. uh, But sure enough, Carlos and Yandri pulled up on a moped outside of a school we were working at, and it was awesome. It wasn't like an Oprah moment. I don't want to over-embellish it, you know, because we didn't run into each other's arms. We had just started sponsoring (laughs) them, and our kids were shy, and they were shy, and we didn't speak great Spanish. But since that time, my kids are in college now. Retrospectively, that was the best way we ever discipled our kids. My two kids in college just started sponsoring their own kid, ironically, in Nicaragua, Hmm. um, which really means, by the way, because my kids are in college, that I'm sponsoring another kid, but (laughs) that's that's a different story. But um, you guys know that, right? (laughs) But the final thing God did on that trip is we were doing medical clinics, and, uh, and so we were partnering with a Dominican pastor and his wife, who's a physician in the DR, and my wife is a physician, so they were working together, and it was awesome, and we fell in love with this lady named Annabelle. She was so super impressive. She actually happened to be pregnant at the time, too, and we were working horrible hours, and she was just very caring, and at our debrief at the end of that trip, really in passing, she looked at us Mm -hmm. and said, oh, by the way, I used to be one of those compassion kids. Wow. And as a business person who was always paid to find solutions to problems, I saw 
a solution to the problem of poverty. Because here's a young lady who had nothing. I think she didn't have shoes until she was eight. And now she's a pastor's wife and a physician um, in a culture that really doesn't necessarily even value women. And she's changing the trajectory of that, uh, of that country. And so I came back and essentially punted my career and uh, providentially got an opportunity to work for Compassion. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing because that was, it doesn't feel like you're much over 40 now, if I'm just being honest. Oh, but. I'm way over 40. <laughs> and so we, we obviously, when you st- tell a little bit about kind of what you do, your role there at Compassion, because when you started, it wasn't a thing until yeah. you got there. Yeah, yeah. So I, they yeah. hired me as the director of church relations, uh, and we kind of had, there four of us in the country, we're kind of divided up now by geography, but they hired three pastors and then me. And I'm a hospital administrator, man. I don't know. I'm like a lot of you guys sitting out there. Hmm. I had 20 years invested in something, but I didn't, I didn't know anything about charities or churches or, you know, other than I went to one and loved Jesus. And so, you know, I started and we were kind of, we had this strategy of emailing churches, kind of cold calling churches and it it worked horribly. And, you know, my (laughs) boss said, just, I said, you know, what do I do? And he said, just go out and serve the church. And I'm like, what does that mean? Uh, But he literally gave me the names of three churches that were working with Compassion at the time. Two were in Florida, and one was a church called Stone Creek Church in Milton, Georgia. And so not knowing anything other to do, I called you guys up and uh, uh, came down and had lunch. And really, uh, since that time, because you were so generous with uh, the, the creative things that you were doing that I was able to share with other churches, and we can talk about those if you want to, but also just helping me network with other churches. And it really spider-webbed out from Stone Creek Church. And, and I'm not just saying this because we're friends. I mean, this mm-hmm. is absolute truth. It spider-webbed out from Stone Creek Church. And now I have a team that works with about 1,500 churches in the southeast. Come on. And it really started with you guys. That's awesome. And so... Of those 1,500, like how, how many kids have been sponsored kind of through your... Yeah, I was trying, you, you asked that in the first service. I was trying to figure out probably probably close to 200,000 Yeah, over the last 13 years. So, so think about this for a second. And he, he won't ever brag on himself, so I'll do it. So it, compassion, um, for every kid sponsored, it impacts seven other people, whether directly in your family or even in the neighborhood community, just because it raises the level of their life, right? And a rising tide will raise all boats. So um, it raises the level. So if 200,000 is the number, Kevin Myers is responsible for roughly a million and a half people's lives being better. Like that's, that's like kingdom impact right there. Yeah. And he would never say that. And Kevin doesn't get commissioned for that either. Um, he's laying up treasure in heaven, as we talked about last week. So uh, tell, tell the one story about the, yeah. the first thing that we did together um, when we, uh, with George. Yeah, so well, I wasn't here then. But uh, you guys, uh, I guess it was a year before I started, did a Compassion Sunday. And you, uh, you invited a Compassion alumni, a kid that had gone through Compassion and brought him here. He's from, I think, Uganda or Kenya, one of Kenya, those countries. Yeah. And uh, his name's George. And actually, he was serving in the United States military. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you brought him here, and you interviewed him about what it's like to be part of Compassion. But unbeknownst to him, 
you found out who his sponsors were, and it was a couple in Virginia, yeah. and you flew them in and brought them out and, and surprised George to meet his sponsor. I can't imagine the emotion there. Oh, I can, because you also videoed that incredible time and uh, gave me a bunch of videos that I could hand out to other churches. Yeah. And you've done other things. We were talking, I was talking to Regina earlier. Um, I remember one Compassion Sunday here, I came in and you sponsored a bunch of kids there, but you, you had gotten a bunch of pond water from in front of the church and you had raised a bunch of money to purchase filters and you were making people that came in drink the pond water, but it had been filtered. I mean, you've done things like that. It's crazy, wonderful, I did not do creative that. thing. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, we did. Um, we did that. Yeah. 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 yeah and the story I was going to tell you, you were talking about how it, um, uh, for every compassion kid, it impacts other people in their family. The, yeah. the best example, first person that I know about that is my family sponsors a kid named Simon in Uganda. And because mm -hmm. we, you know, I work for yeah. Compassion, so I go over places a lot. I had taken my family and we had met si Simon and his family before. And it was a bleak situation. You could tell the hope had gone out of, of the, the parents' eyes, and their shelter particularly was horrible. Again, the, people, the kids that we work with, the people that we work with make less than two bucks a day. Mm. And so you can do the math on that. I mean, yeah. it, and, and the most egregious part of that is poverty robs people of, of hope. Yeah. And so you can tell when the light's gone out. And, and I yeah. think, honestly, strategically, we work with kids because that, that they're still, they still have hope. But this family's house was about the size of this carpet, uh, mud and dung walls, caving in, uh, mud floors, tin roof. It was a horrible shelter, even by compassion standards. And so we, when we got home for Christmas that year, we decided to send a family gift above and beyond uh, the $38 a month. And so when you do that, the money goes to the church and the church approaches the family and says, we've got this gift for you. What's the best way for you to use it? And so over the course of a bunch of months, the church in Uganda worked with our kids' family to decide what they wanted to do. And ultimately they built them a house with just, with just a few hundred dollars. And so we went back to see that house, and it was awesome. It was brick, still dirt floor, mm. still tin roof. Yeah. But the family's entire countenance had changed. And that's not even the reason I'm telling the story. It goes back to what Stephen was talking about before. In the course of that church having to work with that family over several months, the church, not compassion, uh, the church led seven members of that family to Christ. Wow, come on. And, and so, you know, I think, what, I think what I would leave with you is that, that um, uh, you know, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Yeah. It doesn't say against compassion or Biden or Trump or the government or the U.S. It says the church. Yeah. And you guys have done an incredible job of demonstrating what the body of Christ is, is supposed to be about. And so I'd mm -hmm. love to give you a, 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 present you guys with a gift if I can. That'd be awesome. Can. Yeah, um, that'd be fantastic. So... Let me, hopefully I won't turn this over. So this is a picture of a young girl in Nicaragua. And, and the kind of the thing I want you guys to see on this, if, I, if we've said things that leave you in despair, that you can't make a difference, we've, re, we've really failed. Yeah. And so what I want you to see in this uh, picture of this little girl in Nicaragua is just that the joy that she has and the hope that she has. 
because she's going to make it and she's going to do awesome and she's made in the image of God just yeah. like we are. Yeah. And so that's what I want you to see. But if y'all can zoom in on the camera, can I say y'all, by the way? We're still in the South, right? <laughs> um, this is actually a mosaic, and I would encourage you to, to find this picture and come up and look. It's actually composed of the 1,957 kids that you guys sponsor. The actual kids. And so I just want you to know that, you know, you may not be famous, you're not the biggest church in town, but you have made a huge impact for the kingdom. You have yeah. made an amazing difference. And I just love you guys. I love your pastor. I feel like mm. professionally in so many ways you've mentored me mm. and that you guys have kind of taught me what to do. Um, and you're just making a huge difference for the kingdom. So I love you guys. Thank you so much. Awesome. Let's give it up for Kevin Myers. Man, thanks so much. Thank you. Let's take a look at the impact you guys can have. We're here today, and we are going to ask you to write one last letter to those boxes from all those years ago, just catching them up on, uh, on who you are today. Dear Brian and Amy Clark, it has been 21 years since I graduated from the Compassion Center. The day I found out that you had become my sponsor was one of the best days of my life. At first, it was unbelievable that somebody wanted to help us. People told us that we will never be somebody in this life. Not one person I knew believed in me, and poverty was my forever reality. But your decision to sponsor me changed all that. We knew for sure we will be receiving practical benefits like food, medical care, school supplies, and new uniforms every year. I got my first ever gift, which was my first pair of shoes. But there were some things we didn't expect. Learning about Jesus changed my perspective and helped me make good decisions. Or see my church reach out to my community and see it change. In your first letter, you told me the phrase, we love you. It was the first time I ever heard that. You gave me an opportunity to believe, hope, and dream again. If only you knew how your prayers made a huge difference. From not being expected to complete primary school, I now teach in one of the best schools in inner city London. Jesus saved us and saved my dad. I want you to know it made a difference. Sponsorship changed who I am today. My family's life has changed for the better. If only you knew how much all you did impacted me, you'd be so proud of who I have become. Ten years ago, when you stood beside me as the best man in my wedding, it was one of the highlights of my life. You did it, Jan. We did it. Thank you for pouring into me and sponsoring me. Thank you. Thank you. Sincerely, Maria Momojara. Sincerely, Owen Getanga. Sincerely, Liz Riera. With love, Sandy Mike. So next steps for us, um, obviously we want everybody to sponsor at least one kid. 
So we have children from our church plant in Nicaragua that need to be sponsored. They're going to be right out these doors, as well as other kids in that area in Nicaragua, right out these doors. Um, we have kids from other parts of the world right out these doors, which you may have a, a particular heartbeat for a, a particular area, uh, uh, and you can find those kids. But here's, exact, here's where uh, the rubber meets the road. It's $38 a month. It's $38 a month. Now, one of the beautiful things about what we've done is that the kids who are coming from the, our church plant, they'll never know what it's like to be registered in Compassion and to not have a sponsor. And that's pretty amazing. You know, there are some other kids that have been waiting months or even years to be sponsored. And so we'll, we want to sponsor everybody, all of them as well. And so um, because of the timeline, we actually were getting our packets on Friday because that's how, that's how close we pushed it to the deadline. I'm so proud of our church and compassion and what we've been able to accomplish. So what you're going to do is you're going to walk out to one of these walls and you're going to find a packet just like this one. This one is mine and it actually is my, my new kid's name is Stephen. How awesome is that? Um, and so what you're going to do is you're going to fill out the card that's in the packet and you're going to leave that card. Okay. You're going to leave that card. Don't take it with you. Don't think I'll do it later. You're going to fill this out today, all the information that you need. And then you're going to leave the card with one of the volunteers who's at the station. And you're going to change a kid's life. You're going to change them. I made it all the way to now. Um, you're going to change their future. You're going to change their eternity. Let's pray together. God, we know that you're a God who wants us to be inside, that even though we were outside because of our own choices, because of our own lifestyle, because of our own selfishness, God, we were outside and you gave your life for us to be inside. God, thank you uh, for the impact that the people in this church have made, the people who call Stone Creek home, the people who are connected here and the lives of 2,000 kids and over 15,000 more people and then beyond that in other churches, Lord. I'm just grateful be a part of such an awesome, generous group of people. Lord, help us to always be a church that looks to those who are outside to get them inside. God, that we'd always be looking beyond our own borders, beyond our current facility, beyond our own resources, beyond our current time, God, into the future to always look that way. And God, we know that you will bless us, God, that we will, we will get the well done, good and faithful servant, Lord, that you will say, when you did it to them, you did it to me. And we just always be that people. God, I pray that all these kids get sponsored today. Lord, I pray they know the love of Jesus more than anything else in the entire world, that Jesus is enough. And God, you continue to give them hope that comes from understanding the gospel. Lord, you change their perspective. You change their tomorrow. You change their eternity. And we just pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, Stone Creek, let's go change some lives.